Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. And as we walk through this life, may we stand firm and fast upon what he has said in his word. When the tempter comes into your life, And he wants to whisper these little lies into your ear and and get you to completely abandon what God has laid out before you. Stand firm on the the word of God. Know scripture that well, not just within your head, but maybe an overflow of your heart when those temptations come. Satan is often very clever in the things that he tries to do in order to deter us. One of his titles is the father of lies. In today's message, Pastor James will share a story of when Jesus encountered Satan while he was here on earth. Satan tried to twist the scriptures and deceive Jesus into worshiping him. However, Jesus knew the truth. We can know what the truth of God is by reading his word, and then we're able to identify any lie that Satan might try and use against us. The word is something that's solid and firm. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We also need to be reminded of the fact that he who is in you is greater than anything outside of you. Any tempter that may come, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you so you can be victorious. You can overcome. But the enemy will show up. And I think you've probably known this. If you've been walking with the Lord for any certain amount of time, you, you may remember what it was like when you gave your life to Jesus. Maybe if you followed him in water baptism, and you're just riding that high. It's awesome. I mean, it's, it's an amazing feeling. And then, then the temptation comes. And the, 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 the desire, so to speak, of wanting to go back to the way it was, those, those, those I'm going to call them false memories, kind of starts showing up in your brain. And then the whispers come into your ears of like, man, see, look, you're trying to read your Bible. And every time you read your Bible, you, you, you mess up. The more you read your Bible, it seems like the more you mess up. The more you try to pray, the more you mess up. And the enemy is just using that to try to just keep you from getting into the Word. He's trying to keep you from praying. He's trying to keep you from sharing the gospel because it seems like the more times I do that, the more I mess up, I blow it. And it can be frustrating. And the lie is, well, if you stop doing that, it'll get easier. And it's a lie. It's a lie. Because you may have had a season within your life where you kind of slacked off on reading the Bible. You kind of slacked off on praying. You kind of slacked off on just living it out. What was the temptation like during that time period? Probably non-existent. You want to know why? You're not a threat. You're not a threat. Satan will not waste his ammunition on a lazy Christian. We're not threats. It, it's, it's beyond coincidence when you, when you really like, man, no, I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to spend more time. Lord, I just want to hang out with you. I'm going to spend more time praying. It's not a coincidence that the temptations and the, the spiritual warfare intensifies. Why? Because you just became a threat. Simply by reading the Word, 
you become a threat to the enemy. You have to factor that in. Is it worth it? And I'm going to tell you right now, it, it absolutely is worth it. You be a threat. You be a threat. Because again, you're not, it's not about your armor. It's not about you being able to protect yourself. It's being clothed in his spiritual armor. It's being filled with the Holy, with the Holy Spirit who is greater than any outside threat possible. But you stay committed. You stay determined. The attacks and the temptations, I'm promising you right now, they are going to come. And the greater you press in, the more intense they become. I would be a bad pastor, a bad preacher, if I told you otherwise. I'd be setting you up for failure if I said, no, 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 look, 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 just keep reading the word and praying. It's going to get easier. It's not. Do you get stronger though? Yes. Yes. And that's part of it. That's part of it. Because it may hurt initially, like my legs do. I had leg day a couple of days ago, and that was a big mistake, because now I'm walking around like a newborn deer. Have you ever seen videos of those guys? That's what I feel like when I walk around, okay? It hurts, but I got to do it. You got to press on. Why? Because you get stronger. You get stronger. And of course, the weights are going to intensify as you get stronger, as they should, because you're growing. You're growing. That's the goal. That's the goal. So even, even Jesus, Jesus gets baptized. He gets led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Satan who led him into the wilderness. It was the Holy Spirit who led him into the wilderness, all right? And during that time, that's when Satan showed up. And he's like, look, if, 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 his questions, his comments, they seem to always begin with an if. If you are the son of God, well, no, we, we know he is. We know he is. And that's partly why Mark started out the gospel with that. No, he is the son of God. Well, here's Satan to question him and his identity. If you are the son of God, have you heard that same question? Not the son of God thing, because I can answer that for you. You are not, all right? Um, there's no Messiah complexes here, I hope, because you're not him, all right? But that same question does show up in your life. If you're a Christian, if you're really a Christian, then why'd you just do that? Why'd you just say that? A real Christian probably wouldn't have said that. See, the enemy loves, he loves the if. He loves it. And that can destroy, that can destroy even the strongest believer. It gets you questioning and doubting. Yeah, you're right. Man, yeah, because from what I observe from other people, as if you actually even know their lives, what I observe from other people is that, like, they got to figure it out. They would never do this. You don't know anything about them. You don't know anything. And he's going to come in, he's going to question, hey, if, then why? Here he's, he's just like he did with, with Eve in the garden, he's showing up to Jesus in the wilderness, and he's like, he's like if you're the son of God, well, why don't you turn these uh, stones into loaves of bread? Trying to incorporate the word there. And he's always going to twist the scriptures. Always going to twist the scriptures, which is why we need to be in the word constantly. Because the enemy is going to show up. He's going to tempt you. He's going to use the Bible against you, but all out of context. And if you don't know the word of God, you can really be derailed pretty quickly. He's like, you're hungry. 
won't you just turn some stones into loaves of bread? You can do that, right? Because you're the son of God, right? Jesus' response is, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love this. This is, this is a great model for you and I concerning spiritual warfare and dealing with the attacks of the enemy. You do not need to yell or shout at Satan, okay? You don't need to. If the enemy comes creeping into your life and begins to question or, or present these questions to you about who you truly are, who you really are, and all that good stuff, you don't even have to acknowledge him. What do you do? Quote scripture. Just quote scripture. You don't got to yell insults at Satan or anything. Don't engage in that. We don't need that. If anything, you just say, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Here's what I know. I'm not as smart as Satan. I got no problem owning that. I'm not as smart as Satan. He probably knows the word better than I do to a certain extent. I got no problem admitting this stuff. I'm very weak when it comes to that, which is why I rely on Jesus and the Holy Spirit more and more, because I know I'm nothing. And he's an angelic being created by God who's been around since the beginning. He's seen it all. He's heard it all. He knows to a certain extent. Now, whether he knows the end and all that good stuff, that could be debatable on what's going to happen. But... I think he knows, he knows the scriptures, but, and he's going to use those to really to try to, to throw Jesus off here. And Jesus is like, no, here's what the Bible says. The word says this, man shall not live by bread alone. Boom, done. Moving on. And that, that should be our, our model and our method as well. Because he's going to keep coming back. Verse 5, then the devil came or took him to the holy city of Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, here it is again, if you are Truly, the Son of God, jump off. Jump off. He's not going to let you die. It says, for the scriptures say, here's Satan himself saying, for the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Now, this is where he begins to twist some of those scriptures and take them out of context. He's like, you're the son of God. You can do anything. Jump off this pinnacle. Let's see what happens. God will save you. He'll send his angels. They'll catch you. They'll catch you. Now, that would be foolish. That would be foolish. And Jesus like, in his, his response back, with the word of God, is perfect. And it's perfect for you and I. Jesus' response, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. It's just brilliant how he's, and I don't know if you can tell, but I think that there's just this calm, casual way of Jesus dealing with Satan. Hey, you're, the Bible says this, jump off this pinnacle. His angels, he won't even let you stub your toe all through this life. And we think like, well, that's a pretty sweet gig, right? Like, I mean, not even stubbing your toe. He's like, he won't even let you get hurt at all. He's like, ah, but here's also what the scriptures say. Could he have jumped off the pinnacle of the temple and been caught by angels and all that? Yeah, but he wasn't about to test the Lord. He wasn't going to test God. 
And in a sense, it's, he's like, what you're saying is it's just nonsensical. Next, the devil took him to, to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you. He said, if you will kneel down and worship me. He's like, I own this all, Jesus. You want it? You can have it. But you got to pledge your allegiance to me. You got to bow down and worship me. And then Jesus, and then here's where Jesus gets a little bit more aggressive, I guess you could say. So if you find yourself in this situation, being tempted by, this, by the enemy, and you're like, no, the word says this. Comes back, again, the word says this. Third time, you're like, all right, look. <laughs> you know, you don't need to get into any arguments, but I love what Jesus, or what Jesus says here. He's like, uh, get out of here, Satan. New Living Translation, right? Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So that's where the angels came into play here as far as ministering to Jesus. Um, but he lets him know, Satan's three times he's trying to get Jesus. He's really trying to derail him and, and he, because he knows he's the Messiah. He's going to ruin everything for Satan. So it didn't even start here, the attacks for Jesus concerning Satan. They begin all the way back in Genesis, all the way back in Genesis. And the the attacks had always been there. And then even in Jesus's birth, I mean, Satan was on the move then because he was moving upon the hearts of wicked rulers to murder a bunch of babies, hoping that he would get the one baby who was prophesied to be born at this time. That was a motivation from Satan for, that, for that, that ruler, I should say, to want to murder all these babies. Why? He's trying to snuff out the Messiah. That's what he's trying to do. Didn't work. So I'll get him here. I'll tempt him. Just like in the garden, I'll take him out. This time, I'll take him out to the wilderness, and I'll try to, I'm going to try to get him. You're not going to get him. And Jesus was going to stand firm and fast upon the word of God. You and I. In this walk with Jesus, from the mountaintop highs, and you'll experience those. Just know when you come down, every other side of a mountain is a valley, okay? And if 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 there's no valley, then it's not a mountain, it's a plateau, all right? I don't know if you know this geographically, but uh, there's always a downside to every single mountain. There's always a valley you have to enter into, which is a good thing because that's where all the fruit grows, Okay? But as the Lord leads you, and he, he will bless us with tremendous mountaintop experiences. But then he also said in Psalm 23, I'm going to be with you through the valleys as well. And as we walk through this life, may we stand firm and fast upon what he has said in his word. When the tempter comes into your life, and he wants to whisper these little lies into your ear and, and get you to completely abandon what God has laid out before you. Stand firm on the, the word of God. Know scripture that well, not just within your head, but maybe an overflow of your heart when those temptations come. Here's where we get practical. You know yourself. You know those temptations. You know what it's like leading up to the surrender either to that temptation or uh, being like Joseph and running away kind of a deal, Right? You, we all know, I think we know like how those setups come. We allow little things in, nothing ever really just, sometimes there are surprises, 
But I think we all have a, a good understanding of maybe those major things that, that once had a hold on you that you've been broken free of because of Christ in your life. We need to identify those things. And then you need to start memorizing scripture that speaks to those specific things. So if it's, if it's some sort of like consumption thing, maybe it's an overindulgence within alcohol. Maybe you're getting drunk. You shouldn't get drunk. That's a sin. To get drunk is a sin. All right? I think I can say that clear as that, right? To drink alcohol, it's not a sin. But to be drunk is a sin. So if you know that's your deal then you should probably equip yourself and arm yourself with scriptures that speak about how, well, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. You should memorize those things. There's a ton of other scriptures that speak to that thing. Maybe your thing is lust. Maybe just that's one of your things, and it drives you down whatever different avenues. You need to memorize scriptures that deal specifically with these things so that when the temptation comes... You got them right here. And you quote scripture. And don't worry about quoting it to the enemy. You quote it to yourself. You quote it to yourself. And that's the sword of the spirit. It's the rhema. It's the spoken word of God. We're Christian soldiers. You're not much of a soldier if you're not using your weapon. The only weapon you have is the spoken word of God. So we need to use that. We got to be very proactive within this. And you're going to mess up and you'll slip up and you'll do all that stuff. And then the enemy's going to come in and he's going to whisper in your ear, see, look, you're not, you're, not, you're not a Christian because real Christians don't do this. That's not true. That's not true. Arm yourself with the word of God. Know what it says. One verse that you already should have memorized. And if you don't, you need to. But Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That, that, that'll set you free. I mean, it set the Apostle Paul free because he spent all of Romans chapter 7 saying like, man, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do that. Can anybody relate to that? Yes, I put both my hands up because that feels like my every single day, right? But he says, what, you know, what, what's the remedy? Basically, he gets to the end of chapter 7, and he says, my remedy is Jesus. My remedy is him. And then he goes into that beautiful chapter 8 where there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The enemy's going to come. He's going to tempt you. He's going to do all that stuff. He's going to do that your entire way through the journey. There will come a day when that won't be true. But that's when you're standing face to face with Jesus. Here's what's cool about that. When that day comes, new heaven, new earth, you get to kind of experience something that Jesus got to experience in the wilderness. He was hanging out with wild animals. You need to understand that. What that means is this. When he was in the wilderness, in the, wilderness the wild animals were not afraid of Jesus. When Adam sinned, Sin came into this world. The animals in Adam were not hanging out anymore. Before that, Adam was hanging out with animals. He was naming them all. He was chilling in a garden with any and every animal you can imagine at that point in time. No fear. As soon as sin came in, it's, it divided that. Animals became fearful. 
right? People became carnivores, right? And then it's a good point for animals to run away. Like this thing, now this thing wants to eat me, right? Yeah, so distance yourself, okay? New heaven, new earth. We go back to the perfect place. Part of the perfect place, what we believe, I don't know if you do or not, I do. Just like Jesus in the wilderness, when he is amongst the wild animals, that means he's just hanging out with animals and they have no fear of him at all. And he has no fear of them at all. Heaven's going to be pretty awesome. I hope I just planted that little seed in your brain. Because if you're an animal lover, which I'm kind of not, but um, you know my stories. Um, Except for like sharks. I like those guys. I don't have sharks as pets. Who does that? Um, But... One thing that is always, and it may be silly, but when I got saved and going through Bible college and learning, I was like, I remember going through the book of Isaiah, and there's a prophecy in, in Isaiah talking about this, where, you know, like little kids, it could stick your hand in a viper spit, and it's not, it won't get bit or anything like that. And I remember a teacher was telling us about, like, yeah, in new heaven, new earth, what, what we think, as far as what we know is, um, yeah, there'll probably be animals there. Why wouldn't there be animals there? I mean, it just goes back to that original creation type thing. Why wouldn't he have animals there? He's like, yeah, and we get, to, we get to hang out with them. And I was like, wait, really? Like, seriously? Like, I don't, and I don't, I don't, don't have much fear of animals unless it's like a major animal, apex predator that's like chasing me or something. But so my brain is like immediately like, wait, like, so bears, like we can just, I can just pet a bear. I can like, just hang out with a bear in heaven? He's like, probably. I mean, I can't say it dogmatically, but I'm like, done. I was already excited before, but now I'm even much more excited. So you're in new heaven, new earth, and you're like, where's James at? I'm probably frolicking with some animals. I'm saving all my love for animals when I get to heaven where I'm like, oh, yeah, cuddly teddy bear or something. I don't know. But I just, there's something in me that, that just just find so much joy in just knowing that. Like, even if I get, it, it, when you get there, if there's not, then you're not going to be disappointed because it's heaven. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the main thing about heaven, all right? Being with him. Now, if there's some cool little animals that you can hang out with and maybe have as a, as a pet, hey, that's a bonus. And I'm like, uh, I, yeah, for all of eternity, I'm good with that. Um, that's sweet. Um, I will own like a pet bear because... Um, I think my last name will still be Grizzle in heaven, and so Grizzle, Grizzly Bear, it just makes sense, okay? Anyways, I just, studying through this again, I, I don't want to pass by that too quickly. That demonstrates that he is Lord of creation. And what Satan was offering to him, Jesus didn't have to take it, because Jesus is like, no, that's all mine. That's all mine. You can't give me anything. You can't give me the kingdoms of the world, because guess what? Um, I'm came here, and I'm going to die on the cross, and I'm going to raise from the grave. Um, it's all mine. And then I'm going to come back. It's all mine. Whatever you want to offer me, Satan, I don't need it. I don't want it. I have all that I need. You and I, we have all that we need in Jesus. So whatever he offers you, just say no. Just say no. You have all you need in Christ.
We're so glad that you joined us for a look at the Gospel of Mark here on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James will continue to take you verse by verse through this New Testament book about Jesus. There's so much to learn. We pray that you've heard something today that's drawn you deeper into your relationship with the Lord. Do you have questions about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus? Well, we would love to hear from you and talk more. So go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Or if you're in the Galveston area, we would love to get to know you in person too. Join us on Sundays or Thursdays as we study God's Word together at Calvary Galveston. You'll find service times, more information, and directions at our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? A lot is done to get these teachings out on the radio. And we're so grateful for those who feel led by God to contribute in that way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find the Donate link. We'd also like to ask you to be praying for us and for your fellow listeners. We can all use God's guidance and continued grace as we navigate this world with Him. Thanks for praying. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can also find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for tuning in today to Bread for the Broken.